Today is Easter Sunday or Resurrection Sunday. <clears throat> there is this old Christian greeting um, from the early church, and it goes like this. The, the pastor would say, He is risen. And then the church would respond with, he is risen indeed. So this is what we, we're going to do it. So I'm going to say he's risen and you're going to respond. And if you're online, you're going to respond as well. So you're going to jump on your comments and you're going to type in, he is risen indeed, so that the whole world knows it. So let's try this. He is risen. He is risen okay, that was okay. That was okay. But remember, if you are a Christian, this is not a day when we feel mellow about this. This is not a day that we're like, thank you, Jesus. This is everything. So let's try it again. He's risen. He's risen indeed. Thank you. He's risen indeed. Easter is the most important time on the Christian calendar. And Easter Sunday is the most important day specifically. Sadly, in South Africa, Easter have has often became a bunch of public holidays. That means that it's a time when we go away and forget about Jesus instead of going towards Jesus. But I'm so glad that you are here today to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. We have been busy with this series, Have You Heard? And Milo has helped us to answer a couple of questions. Why did Jesus come? He came because it was all for you, because you were worth it. Why did He have to die on a cross? Because He had to replace sin with forgiveness. And because he had to replace the shame that we look at ourselves with, the lens that tells us that we are bad, that we are dirty, he had to replace that with grace, the lenses that tells us that we are good, that we are made in the image of God. And today, we're going to be looking at his resurrection. Why is this so important? And I just want to throw out this bold statement already, and if you're not a Christian, you're going to find out today why it's so important to us as Christians. And if you are a Christian... This, I hope, will solidify your faith, not with something new that you're going to hear this morning, but with something old that I hope will move from head knowledge this morning to heart knowledge. There's a big difference. But if the resurrection didn't happen, if today didn't exist, nothing that we believe would make sense. If you believe everything the Bible says, but you do not believe this one part, then our faith would be useless. And you might be, Louis, that's a very bold statement. So let me put it in, in perspective for you. We drive a Ford Cougar, and I can list a whole bunch of reasons why I think it is an awesome family car. There's six airbags. It is an all-wheel drive, so it's got good traction, so we're not, never slipping around. There's enough size for the pram and for our luggage. But a couple of years ago, Ford Cougars caught fire and burned. Some, someone actually died in one. So now, is it still a good family car or is it not? You see, but there's one little truth, and that is, except for that I drive the diesel, not the petrol, luckily. But there's one little truth that changed everything. It went from a good family car to a bad family car because of one truth, and that is that some of them burned. But then it went back to a good family car because it was a factory issue that they could fix. So one truth can change everything. It can make you a dad that cares about your family, or it can make you a dad that wants to murder your family. One small detail can change everything. And the same for the church. There's different Christian denominations across the world. There's different churches. And churches have been fighting about the silliest things throughout the ages. And I'm like, we can differ on certain things, 
We can differ on the non-essentials because it's not going to save us. It's not going to make a difference to our relationship with Jesus. But then there are certain things that if you do not believe it, you cannot call yourself a Christian. You cannot be the church, the bride, the body of Christ. And one of those truths, an essential truth, is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If we do not believe in it, we're missing so much. And I want to talk to you today about why the resurrection is so important. I believe that part of the reason why we were created, the purpose of life, is to be connected to God. Not just to live in religious rules, Milo talked about that in the series as well, but to actually live in a personal relationship with the God who created you, the God who loves you. And the big change that the resurrection brought to us that we're going to examine today is the resurrection brought us close to God. And that is our topic today. Have you heard that you can be close to God, that you do not need to feel separated from Him, that you do not have to be far from Him, but that you can actually be close to God? And what we're going to do today is we're going to read from 1 Corinthians 15. So if you think I was too radical to say if you not believe in this one thing that your faith is useless, it's not just me saying that the Bible is saying that. And we're going to turn to 1 Corinthians 15. If you've got your Bibles here, you can open to 1 Corinthians 15, but it will also be on the screen. Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, and we're going to actually read the beginning a little later. But he's telling them, you have to decide what you believe. But here's the facts. If Christ, verse 14, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 14, if Christ has not been raised, then all of our preaching is useless, and your faith is useless. It's not just me who said it, the Bible says that. Then he gives a bit of detail, and then we skip to verse 17. He says, if Christ has not been raised, again, a second time he repeats this, so that you do not think he just miswrote something. I wanted to say mistyped, but he didn't type, so... If Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you're still guilty of your sins. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. So you see, just as death came into the world through a man, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. That's Jesus. Just as everyone died because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. He does this comparison between Adam and Jesus. You see, God created a perfect world where there was no death. That's why if you continue reading in Genesis, even after they left the Garden of Eden, people still lived to like 900 years because they were still living in part of the beauty of what God created. But the more time went by, the more we messed it up. And God actually says in the Bible that He started to limit the time that we are on earth. So Adam and Eve rebelled against God, the perfect relationship. They walked with God, we read in the Bible. They walked with God in the garden. And that perfect relationship was messed up when they decided to rebel against God, to do sin. And because of sin, he says, death came into the world. And because of death, not only are we separated from God now, but we can be separated from God for all eternity. But then he says, but something happened. Jesus came, 
And he looked at the sin and his cross brought forgiveness for all of that. And because we have forgiveness for sin, we now have life with God. And because we have life right here in this world and in the life after this life, we can walk with God again. We can have a relationship with Him again. And Milo spoke about something on Friday. If you missed it, it's on YouTube, it's on Facebook, it's on Spotify, it's on iTunes. Again, listen to it. But he said the moment when Jesus died, something crazy happened. There was a curtain in the temple that tore in two. So if you weren't here, let me give you a bit of background. The temple, there was the first part where the whole crowd could go into. But separated from God, but they could go there to bring the offering. Then there was a holy place where only the priests were allowed to go into to bring offerings to God. A little closer to God's presence. But then there was a huge, thick curtain that separated the holy from the most holy. And that part, God's presence were physically in the most holy part of the temple. And only the high priest, after a lot of very specific rules that he had to keep and ways he had to purify himself, could go into the most holy once a year, once a year, to bring an offering to God for the forgiveness of the sins of the people. You see, you can never really get close to God. So if, if you lived back in that time and you told me, Louis, I feel far from God, I would have told you I feel far from Him as well. And that wasn't just an idea, that was just the reality. But Jesus, when He died, tore the curtain so the presence of God flew out of the Most Holy into the Holy, into the rest of the temple, and through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit covered the earth. And if that doesn't make sense to you, I want to show you today a practical example of what this can mean. Can I see who loves elephants? Because there's like five. If I probably ask you who loves hyenas, the rest are going to raise your hands. <laughs> yes, they tear animals apart alive. Anyway, I don't often share photos of my vacation, but I want to share some photos. Um, we were in, in Adi National Park um, two weeks ago, and... If you like these photos and you're like, man, Louis is a good photographer, he probably has a fancy camera, I'm going to ask him afterwards, what lens were you using? I don't, I've got my phone. So if the animals are really close, it's not because I have a great camera or a great zoom, it's because they were literally next to the car. Okay, but I wanted to show you a couple of pictures. I've loved elephants since I was little. I collected little bilkies of elephants, like made of clay and cut out of stone and all kinds of stuff. So this was so amazing, these herds of elephants. But I want you to see something. There's a beautiful photo. I think we can all agree that is amazing. Elephants are majestic, even if you don't like them. Their sheer size is mind-blowing. But I was sitting in a car, and if you look carefully, you can see the road that's separating the car from the field from the elephants. So I'm like on this side. I'm like, you walk that side, buddies. Because although I'm in a bucky, they are bigger than the bucky, and they could just crush the bucky in an instant. But this was mind-blowing. We drove a little further, and we got to this watering hole, and now I'm still, there's a road separating me and the elephants, but I'm on a bit of a hill, and then there's a water hole, so we are at a good distance. But this was so amazing, because if you look carefully, you will see this whole bunch of little elephants all over the place, and if you stay quiet, that doesn't happen with a toddler in the car, so sometimes I had to like close Abigail's mouth because the elephants would look at us and start flapping their ears, and I'm like, we're going to die because my toddler can't stay quiet. But... 
we could actually hear the noises, the sound they make. We could literally hear how they were slurping up the water. Guys, and if that doesn't give you a bit of chills about the beauty of God's creation, nothing will. And then I've got this one. This is not the biggest elephant. She actually has a genetic defect. That's why, they don't, why she doesn't have tusks. But this is so close. We were driving. And this is like, if I had a really long arm, longer than my current arm, I could have touched them. This mom with two little elephants came walking past our car, had no issue with us, so we just sat there. Because all of these experiences were mind-blowing and amazing. But 10 years ago, 11 years ago, when we got married, we were on honeymoon in Jeffreys Bay, and we wanted to go to elephant sanctuary so that we could touch elephants. But it was too expensive because we were students. So for this trip, on our 11th wedding anniversary, that was supposed to be, happen last year at this trip, we decided we're going to bite the bullet, we're going to go to elephant sanctuary. And there's my wife, Yolandi, feeding an elephant some pumpkin with her hand. Again, if you can see, there's still a dividing line between her and the elephants. There's a little wire, and if you like that wire, can probably stop the elephants. I want to assure you that it cannot stop the elephant. If they step on the wire, it's gone. They can just step over it and just, by the way, these are tiny elephants, 2.5 meters high. They grow all the way to four meters, but they still weigh two and a half tons. So I can assure you, if they step on you, you're not going to have a broken bone. You're just going to be a pancake. That's it. But she's feeding them, but there's still a dividing line. But one of the most amazing things I have experienced in my life was this. Walking with the trunk of the elephant in my hand. And there's another photo of Yulandi where the elephant, one of the other ones, actually opened her ears. And you can just see something of the size of this elephant. But I want to show you another photo that when I saw this photo actually blew my mind a bit. And it's that one, a real close-up of the two of us with an elephant. Now, guys, when there's an animal whose wrinkles are bigger than my fingers, that gets freaky. And why am I showing you these pictures? Thank you, Nick. You can put the lights back on. I'm showing you these pictures because these elephants that we touched weren't the biggest ones in the world. They were actually quite tiny, but they were still huge. The ones that we saw in the wild was a lot bigger. There was even a, a, a male that, that kind of charged at us on a road, and we had to like reverse really quickly, and he was significantly larger but I want to tell you that the experience of touching an elephant, even though they were smaller than the ones in the field, that experience surpassed every single experience I've ever had with elephants. In the Kruger National Park, we once sat in a bird hide on the opposite side of a river and a herd of elephants, probably like 50 of them came to drink water. I'm sitting with an opening in front of my face and a river, and there they are. This experience of touching a tiny elephant, this, these are still like young adults at 25 years old, this experience surpassed every experience I've ever had of elephants. You see, there's something about the proximity to 
something magnificent that we cannot replicate. Who loves supercars? Can I see? There's a couple of us. Some of the ladies are like, oh, I don't care about supercar. What's a fancy V12? What, what's so fancy about a car that can drive from 0 to 103.2 seconds? I don't care. I don't know why you don't care. But this is what I can assure you. You might not care about it now. You might not care about it when it's driving next to you. But when you are sitting in the passenger seat and you feel that car accelerating from 0 to 103.2 seconds, you will love that car. Your mind will be blown. You might not care about elephants, but I can assure you that if you walk with the trunk of an elephant in your hand, you cannot help but feel humble and amazed and everything at the same time. The power, the sound, the majesty of something magnificent gets bigger the closer you are to it. The roar of a lion on a TV doesn't scare me, but when I'm lying in a camp with no fences in my tent and I hear a lion roar, I go and check all my zips. And this is what the resurrection is about. The resurrection was about moving us closer to God. You see, because for ages people had tradition they knew about God. They had knowledge about God. They were told about God, about how God saves, how God saved their ancestors, about how God cares for them, and that all the right traditions that they went through, the circumcision and the cleansing rituals and the sacrifices, but there was always a road, a window, a car, a fence, something standing between them and God. And Jesus came to tear all of that down. I want to tell you, all the tradition in the world, all the knowledge in the world, cannot replace proximity to Jesus. Nothing. Jesus died and He was resurrected so that our proximity to God could change, so that we do not have to feel far from God, so that we do not have to be replaced, re removed from Him, so that we can experience something of His greatness that we have never experienced before. And I want to look at two things of why He was raised that Paul talks about. The first thing is without the resurrection, Paul says, your sin would continue to separate you from God. We would still be in sin. He says in verse 17 that we would still be guilty of sins if it wasn't for the resurrection of Jesus. You see, because for years, every time the Bible says in Romans that what is the penalty for sin? It is death. What is sin? The Greek word amartia literally means, it's the same word that was used for a spear thrower that would throw at a target. And amartia means to miss the mark, to miss the target. So God created us with purpose. God created you to love Him. God created you to worship Him. God created you to live in close proximity to Him. And every time we do something that makes us miss the target, it removes us. It's like another layer of glass, another fence, another road. It, it adds layers that separate us from God. So death is the penalty. So what did people do? they would sacrifice something, an animal. And every time they sacrifice an animal, a layer would be, would be ripped away and they would be a little 
closer to God, but there was always separation between human beings and the Creator because of what happened in the Garden of Eden. You see, an animal was never enough. We didn't need, we didn't need an animal to die for us. We didn't need a human to die for us. A human would have probably been a good sacrifice that would have covered a lot of sins, but a human would have been dead. So the sins that continued after his death would have still required a sacrifice of death. But we need a superhuman Savior, someone who could cover every single sin of every single person on planet Earth that used to live, that lived in that time, and that would live after the cross of Jesus. And that's why Jesus, the Son of God, came Himself, because He was like, I had enough of you missing the mark and feeling far from God. I am going to forgive your sin. I'm going to remove all of those layers that you have been placing between you and God. I'm just going to wipe them out. See, because of the resurrection, sin can't separate us from God anymore. So let me ask you a very significant life question this morning. And if you've been with Prodea for, for, for some time, you would have heard me say this a lot. But I want you to sit in that seat this morning and actively listen to what I'm saying and process this now. If you feel far from God, ask yourself who has moved. He didn't move. His cross didn't change. His resurrection didn't change. We move. Maybe like me, but I can't help it. I'm not, I'm not that good. I continue making mistakes over and over. Guys, I continue making them as well. And we read in Psalm 24 verse 3 that the only ones who are allowed on the mountain of God, so in the presence of God, were people with clean hands and a pure heart, people that do not worship idols, that do not, it actually says, the trust in idols. And you might be like, I don't trust in an idol. Do you trust in your money to provide you a safe future? Do you trust in your knowledge to guide your company in such a way that it will make a profit. We all trust in idols. We just don't know it. We think we don't have a little statue of some fat man on our, on our mantle, so I'm not worshiping an idol. There's all kinds of idols, guys. And when I read this, I'm like, but I'm not good enough. How can I be before God? But that's why Jesus died. You see, Smiler said, shame amplifies what is bad in me, but grace amplifies what is good. And when I live in the grace of Jesus, all of these layers are stripped away. And when God looks at me, He doesn't see someone with dirty hands and a dirty heart worshiping idols, walking up His mountain. He looks at us and He says, my child who's pure and holy, come to me. So if you feel far from God today, I want to tell you one of two reasons. When I just look at this piece in the Bible. One is that you have not accepted His grace and you're still trying on your own. You're still hoping that if you're good enough, that if you do the right things, that you will feel close to God. You won't because you will never be good. You can't be that good. The Bible says only Jesus was good. And if you, believe, if you say that you're without sin, so if you believe that you are truly good, then you're a liar and the truth is not in you anyway. 
So either you have not accepted Jesus, you have not accepted His grace, and you're still trying on your own, one, or two, you have at one time accepted Jesus and experienced His grace, but it moved away, you moved away from living in His grace to just knowing about His grace. And let's be honest, that is where a lot of Christians in the Western world are sitting. We know about Jesus, we know about His grace, we know about His goodness, but we're not living in it, so we keep feeling far from God. There's no more separation because of sin. But Paul continues and he says there's another reason why Jesus was raised. And that is because without the resurrection, death would forever separate you from God. You see, through he says in verse 18, otherwise all who have died are lost. One, we have physical death in our bodies because of sin. But two, the Bible also talks about hell. That's a horrible place, a literal place, not just an imaginative thing. But one of the things that makes hell really bad is that we are separated from God completely. Now, if I ask you today, who of you have ever felt isolated and alone? If you are really honest, every single one of us would raise our hand. Even though you are married, even though you might be in a family, even though you have the best friends on earth, even though you have 5,000 followers on Facebook, friends on Facebook, and 2,000 followers on Instagram, we have all felt alone at some point. Now, let me ask you, how would you truly feel if there is no followers on Instagram, no friends on Facebook, no family to surround you, then you would still have God left? What if you took all of that away? It's a loneliness and an isolation that we cannot even imagine. And Paul is like that, is what would have been waiting for us if Jesus wasn't resurrected. You see, Jesus died for our sin. He died so that we do not have to die, but He lives so that we can be reborn, even though we will die. You see, we trust Jesus, not just for this life, but for eternity as well. You see, He brings life to our life on earth. He brings purpose, He brings meaning, He brings wholeness and love and hope and beauty to your 20 years or 5 years or 60 years or 100 years on earth. But Paul says, listen, if you only trust Jesus for your little bit of time, your little speck in, on the timeline, in the history of the world, if you only trust Jesus for that, he says, then you should be pitied more than anyone else in the world because this life is one page in a book this thick. You see, and you might not care about eternity because you are all about rationality and human knowledge, but the reality is you and I will die. And the reality is that this life is not the end, whether you believe it or not. The Bible says that. And I'm going to tell you at the end why I can trust what the Bible says. But this life is not it. And he's like, for this life, I trust Jesus for a new relationship with my father, for proximity to my father. Did you know the word Abba, that Jesus prayed to God to, means father in Hebrew? A Hebrew child still uses that word. Did you know that the Jews were not even allowed to say the name of God? And Jesus is like, we're not going to just call him by his name. We're going to call him dad. Jesus died so that we can have a relationship with God that we could have never even imagined. So that death, to our, because of our sin, couldn't separate us to go, from God. But so that death 
as death could not separate us from God. Because when we are reborn, when we are resurrected from our dead, then we spend an eternity in the presence of God. The Bible says in heaven where there's no sun, but you're always in the light because Jesus is light. Where there's no pain, where there's no tears, where the streets are made of gold. It describes this perfect paradise that we cannot even imagine. But the thing that makes it more perfect than anyone, anything else is because we are in the tangible presence of God for all eternity. You were not just created for this life. You were created for eternity. And Jesus, because of his resurrection, made sure that you will never experience the most extreme form of loneliness, but that you will forever be in God's presence in this life and in the life after this life. See, Jesus changed everything. His resurrection changed everything. Without it, Everything would have been the same. We would have sinned. We would have felt far from God. There would have been a curtain that separated us from God. And we would have been lonely and disappointed. But Jesus, through him, changes, changed everything. And I want to ask you again today, do you feel far from God? Do you feel far from God? There's no reason for you to feel far from him. Because Jesus has removed every layer that was standing between us and our Creator. And if you're like, yes, Louis, I do feel far from Him. Let me read to you today at the beginning of chapter 15 what Paul says, how we can get close to God. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 1 to 7. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you which you have received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved. If you hold firmly to the words I preach to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. It's like there's no weird things going on. It is a simple gospel of a God who pursued you, who gave everything for you, and He says all you need to do is you need to believe and you need to stand on that word. It says in verse 3, For what I have received, I pass on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins. This is the gospel according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that it was Good Friday, that he was raised on the third day, that Sunday, according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, and then to the twelve. And after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, through, though some have fallen asleep, he doesn't even talk about death. He's like, they're just sleeping because there's life after this life. And then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as the one abnormally born. I don't know why he was abnormally born, but we're like, thank you, Paul. That's a good word. Because if you feel far from God, it's like, it's so simple. The grace of Jesus isn't cheap. It was extremely expensive. He left heaven to come to earth. That was expensive. He gave his life on a cross for people who hated him, who tortured him, who spat in his face. And his words was, Father, forgive them. That was expensive. But it's free. We don't have to do anything to receive it except believe. 
And Paul says, but you can't just believe you have to stand on that word. It's not just something you say with your mouth and you continue with your life at his word. You make a choice to stand on that word, to live in the grace of Jesus every day, to not keep falling for the same stupid mistakes over and over because sin doesn't have a hold on you, to not die and be separated from God forever because Jesus gives you eternal the presence of the Father. We stand on that. We live in that. We go through trials, and we're like, this is not the end. There's life after this. And I told you, I'm going to tell you why I believe this is the truth, and why I hold on to this. Because if any other religion in the world, if you go and read about them, this is how they came to be. Someone was sitting in a cave, a temple, a tree, a field, and a so-called angel appeared to them on their own and gave them a holy scripture. And now people have to trust the word of one man. I'm not that stupid. I'm definitely not going to build my life and my worldview and my future hope on the world of word of one person who could easily just create stuff and pretend that God gave it to him. If you look at Christianity, it has a span of thousands of years of prophecies being fulfilled, finally of Jesus coming to this world, and then 12 disciples that was on a high didn't run around and say Jesus was resurrected after they hid his body or fed it to the dogs or something, as people have said. 12 disciples didn't believe that he was raised but they walked into a tomb that was empty. And they still didn't believe that he was raised. And Jesus appeared to them and he said, I'm not a ghost, I'm not a figment of your imagination. He says, does a ghost have skin and bones touch me? And they touched him. And they told Thomas, guy, we touched Jesus. And Thomas like, there's no way because he's dead. He's a disciple of Jesus. He heard the prophecies. He saw the miracles. And Jesus appears to him and he's like, Thomas, come and put your finger in the hole that the nail was in. And Jesus said, give me some food so I can eat because I'm not a, a ghost. I'm not a figment of your imagination. And he had food with him. And you're like, but that's still just 12 people who loved Jesus and who followed him. They could have still fabricated. It's like, no, no. He appeared to 500 people at one time. That's, there's, there's not mass hysteria or anything. He appeared to 500 people and they were going, what are we seeing? And it's like Jesus continued to do that throughout He's 40 days on earth so that no one could deny the fact that Jesus is truly alive. And this is what Paul is saying. He's like, you don't believe me? He says, some of them are still alive. Go and talk to them. You can seek them all out. You can, you can get the best lawyer to, to talk to them and see if he can find a fault. But every single one will have the same testimony because they saw Jesus. You don't have to trust the word of one person. You, have, you can trust the Bible throughout the ages. You can trust the word of thousands of people that saw the resurrected Jesus. I believe, not because I'm stupid, not because there's nothing better that I could fabricate. I believe because this is the truth that was confirmed, that makes sense, that gives me life, that gives me purpose, that reconciles me with the living Savior. So do you feel far from God? You don't have to. This is a trustworthy word. 
that you can believe. And every barrier that made you feel far from God will be wiped out. So let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you are alive. The world didn't know what to do with it. But today we know that your resurrection is everything. Without it, we are nothing. I pray for every person in this auditorium. I pray for every person watching online. I pray that every person here that's feeling removed from the Creator, that in this moment that the grace and the love and the forgiveness of Jesus would wash over them. I pray that every barrier that the Satan has erected between us and you will be broken down. That your Spirit would fill this place, would fill our hearts. I want to talk to you in the auditorium, to you online. If you haven't trusted, entrusted your life to Jesus yet, if you haven't believed, if you haven't been forgiven yet, if you need to take this step, you cannot walk out of this place this morning with, with skipping out on this. This is the most ma majestic moment of your life. So if you need to give your life to Jesus this morning, if you need to say, Jesus, I believe that you died and that you were resurrected, that you have reconciled me with my Creator, that you bring life, that you bring forgiveness. If you want to do that this morning and give your life to Jesus, if you haven't done it before, this is your moment. So all I'm going to ask as our eyes are closed, if you want to do it this morning, you can just quickly raise your hand. This is a public declaration of your faith. If you're online, thank you, thank you. If you're online, um, just pray with us. Let's, let's pray this this morning. Will you respond after me, everyone in the auditorium, so that no one feels weird? We have to recommit our lives to Jesus anyway. So let's pray this together. Jesus, thank you that you came to earth and died in my place. Thank you that you were resurrected and gave me new life. This morning, I put my trust in you. I trust your word, and I build my life on you. Thank you for the forgiveness of my sin. Thank you for a new relationship with my Father. Amen.